All right, guys, welcome to The Catch-Up, where we uh, go into a deep dive on the hottest food news stories of the week. Um, I'm Food Beast Editor-in-Chief, Eli Aruth, and today I'm joined. Um, I have Costa Spiru, who's our uh, Food Beast Science and Policy Expert. You still can't get my name right. What? Is it Costa or Costa? It's Costa. But it's Costa. a nickname. Can you really get a nickname wrong? I guess you could. Case in point. Okay. Costa. Just think Rika. Rica. Yeah, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Okay. I'm just going to call you Rika now. Yep, it's okay. not Rika permanently. Uh, we also have All Nancy right. Luna, <laughs> the fast food maven, uh, staff writer at the Orange County Register. Um, you break fast food news all the time. I've known you for years now, and Aww. that's what you're known Thank for. you. That's what I try to do, cover all my bases. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And uh, in the other corner, we got Steve Bramucci, Bramucci, who's a managing editor at Uproxx, uh, published novelist, and uh, genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met. We're going to find out. How true that it is today. I, don't know. I have hot takes today. Oh I might goodness. come on as incredibly <laughs> like I might be a toxic personality. People might go, that guy's not as nice as he seemed when we heard that he wrote books for kids. And then they're not going to pick up your book when it I goes know. on sale when? August 1st. August 1st. Shout. Appreciate that. What's it called? What's Shout it called? Out. It's called The Danger Gang and the Pirates of Borneo. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. So. Plus, you're also coming off like really bad traffic, so you're reeling from that. That's true. That's true. My already toxic takes on fast food are going to be amplified by the fact that I sat in traffic on the way here. This is this is why Californians are so equal parts cool and chill and smoke a lot of weed, and equal parts randomly want to like destroy people and uh, it's traffic. Traffic. traffic it is the hidden kryptonite for it's californians the root of all problems can i tell you what i do like this is a, obviously a side note from our food conversation but every <laughs> single time i'm in traffic i look at everyone else and i just think like where the fuck are you going and why are you going there at two o'clock in the afternoon you need to be at work right now not me though. You're okay. It, I'm fine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I have shit I need to do, but I don't know what you're doing, and it upsets me. Do you do that in airplanes too? Do you analyze everybody on airplanes? I don't, I don't have it on airplanes <laughs> yet. I'll know that like, that's like a bridge. I want to be on the bridge too far. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> um, so we also have a very serious topic today, of fast food transparency, and uh, we got on this topic because Subway Chicken was in the news. Subway the fast food restaurant, Mm -hmm. their chicken was under scrutiny. um, And a lot of headlines were popping around the web that Subway's chicken is only 50% chicken. So I'm just going to say it that broadly and that naively because that's how I read it. As a general consumer, um, that's how a lot of my friends read it. And so everyone in the general social media ecosystem was just saying, did you hear that Subway's chicken is only 50% chicken? So let's break it down a little bit because one, the study was coming out of Subway Canada – yeah. One. Um, and then break me down. What, what really happened? Yeah. So it was only Subway Canada, like you just ma- uh, mentioned. It was the result of an investigative TV show called Marketplace, which is on CBC. That's Canada's Broadcasting Corporation. And what they did is they went around to five different fast food restaurants in Canada, including Tim Hortons, Wendy, McDonald's, and Subway. And they tested the chicken for DNA content. And what they found is most of the places were 85% or higher chicken DNA. But Subway... Wendy's passed. Wendy's was passed. The other one's passed. Subway was what? 
Subway was pretty low compared to everyone else, though. Oven-roasted chicken was 53.6%. Mm-hmm. And then the chicken strips they used for the sweet onion chicken teriyaki was 43%. Okay, so I hear these studies, and I have no idea what they mean. I don't know. What is DNA? We gotta, I think we have to understand. <laughs> we have to understand that spirally thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just hear, I just see, think DNA, I think Miss Frizzle, I think Magic School Bus. <laughs> DNA is basically the genetic material that makes up every single one of us. It, it's in everything, literally. Plants, animals, fungi, bacteria, yeast. It's in all of that stuff. So when you're measuring the DNA content of a food product, you're measuring the DNA content of anything that could come from an animal, plant, yeast, bacteria, anything that's in there. So how serious should we take this study of it? An oven-roasted chicken from... So when it says 53.6% of the oven-roasted chicken at Subway, which breaks my heart, that's like what I still get at mm-hmm. Subway. What, what does that mean? Is it... 50, it's not... 50, they're not saying it's 50% chicken, are they? No. That's not what they're saying. That's not what they should be saying. And if... You know, that's how it's getting interpreted. That's wrong. Okay, so what what, what should we be interpreting from this? And is DNA measuring of Subway's chicken an accurate way to find out if their place is actually serving chicken? No, absolutely not. The way that you want to look at DNA is not a measure of the amount of actual stuff that's in there. Because the DNA can come from all these different sources. You have you know, garlic and ginger in the teriyaki marinade. You have some stuff coming from soy because uh, Subway did release their ingredient lists after the um, investigation and there's soy in some of their ingredients, but it's not to the high amount where it would be 50% of the DNA. There's some people who are going around saying that Subway's chicken is 50% soy. And so that's do they not true at all. the chicken? How do you, how do they, do they, and what, do they just go to their local subway and just grab a sandwich it's basically what they did in this case for all the different places they went to they went and grabbed quote-unquote samples of chicken from the different restaurants i'm guessing in the form of the sandwich so anything that was in the sandwich anything that possibly could have contaminated the meat whether it was at the restaurant or later at the lab so if there was bacterial contaminations that would mess with the dna Anything that's in the chicken already would mess with the DNA. Anything that the chicken's coated with would mess with the DNA. So you have all these different things messing with it. So it's not an accurate measure of what's in the chicken. Uh, you need to look at other things like Subway. They came back and countered with their own test that showed the content of the soy being less than 10 parts per million. That's mm. something that you know I would trust. That's a... Uh, research that's a test that I would trust going and looking at the actual soy content looking at the actual chicken protein content uh-huh. so that's what's an accurate way to find out how much of this chicken sandwich and the chicken patty that's in it is actually chicken by looking at those nutritional contents because you can argue that you can adulterate chicken with soy and the protein contents would look similar but food scientists have gotten much more clever than that they can identify not only where the protein is coming from, but in how much it is. Let's talk about how we write this. Did you did you write about any of this? Yeah, Steve? we covered it. What? Okay, so like, how it would have come? What? Well, this is tricky. You know, the CBC kind of backed off what they were saying, and this is an interesting story. I'm I'm so glad that we're talking about this today and and diving so deep on it, 
Because the CBC kind of backed off and said, well, we didn't exactly say that. But their headline literally read, Subway's check-in could be less than 50%. Like, there's no way to dodge that. And so when you see people, like, take that news and then aggregate it or share it in their own way, like, they're typically going to riff off that. Yeah. And and so everything that we're hearing today is obviously so enlightening because we say, well, it's this much more complex test than that and, and all of these things. You know, the other thing that's interesting is CBC has been criticized because they didn't use a food scientist to do the test. They used an animal scientist. Huh. And so that choice was like was was criticized quite a bit. And you know, one of the things that's the most interesting to me and I'm sure we can get to this later is the idea that Subway who has done a poor job in the past of getting out in front of controversies like this <laughs> snapped back <laughs> immediately. No. You know, we saw the food babe and how she destroyed Subway with that thing about yoga mats. Yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. familiar mm-hmm. with what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, the bread. So there was a story that said, you know, Subway puts this binder in their bread, and the binder is common with yoga mats. And this woman, the food babe, who really like espouses herself as a health guru, just slammed them and, and wrote a headline that said, Subway has yoga mat in their bread. <laughs> And people picked that up and aggregated it. And Subway was so stunned. Like, they didn't know how to get in front of this and talk about it. So this time around, obviously the yoga mat story is nonsense, by the way, in the sense that, like, that would be like saying there's carbon in a pencil and there's carbon in the char on my steak. So they put pencils in your steak. Like, it really is the same thing. I mean, it's the exact same logical process. So, uh, so you know, but they had a really hard time getting out in front of it. Yeah. And so this time around, we saw they just snapped back immediately. Sorry, we ran our own test. You guys are wrong. We criticize how you do this, what you're saying about this, how you headline this. I mean, they just went on all fronts like mm-hmm. someone and in their PR. Move. I think it was a great move. But yeah. they I did mean, it several days. They did it a few days later. You feel still feel like they waited too long, maybe. Well, their initial response to the initial report was, no, that's just not true. Mm. And mm. they didn't really push too much. I, they should have asked questions. They should have said, what, what are your findings? And maybe try to get a lawyer on it right away. I yeah. mean, if they saw that this was going to be, maybe they didn't realize how much the headlines were going to be Do you think picked somebody up? just goes like, uh, guys, why us? Like, uh, McDonald's is right there. Like, someone say something about them. Like, I just feel like all of these I think they did test McDonald's, have to, though. Have to do... Yeah. No, I They know, tested just, McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, McDonald's was part of it. Wendy's and they was part okay. of it as well. Do you think yeah, they just Wendy's? have a boardroom at subway where they're all it's just like the oh shit crisis room. Like, room. Just, <laughs> their crisis room must suck like mm-hmm. the jared port like oh, the jared God, thing like, oh my pe- gosh, people get yeah. there, there's such a, a correlation we all immediately make like everyone thinks jared was making all the sandwiches at subway and that's why no one you know immediately they took a hit and none of my friends wanted to go to subway because they didn't want to support that but i mean Trying to give Subway some credit, I don't think they knew anything. I mean, they didn't know anything about Jared's whatever. Personal life. Yeah. yeah, but they're they're probably an easy target, and as someone else mentioned earlier before, everyone ran with it. And by the way, I did not write this story, but everyone else sort of ran with it because they are kind of a, I guess, an easy target. I yeah. mean, and they no one gave them the benefit of the doubt at yeah. all. Yeah, it seems like if, with all the headlines that were out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as someone who tracks online traffic. It, 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 and I've, I'm saying this like, you know, 
it is what it is kind of thing is like it was the perfect storm of a study which is really mm-hmm. splashy. Everyone loves a study. Yeah. Bad news. <laughs> well, study. It's, it's a, a study. It must be true. And bad news, which is really splashy. Yeah. And all these things, like there was no way to not run with it. Yeah. You know, it's like this, uh, this thing. Although I admire you that you didn't. Uh, so I guess there was some way to not run with it. Nancy yeah, figured out not, that way. Just not doing it. But but you know, for us, I like, had Portos cut to cover big huge bakery, fifteen hundred people coming to Buena Park. So. Oh man. So it you know it just presents this tricky situation. I think even journalistically, especially because this year in particular, like fake food is a big conversation point. Yeah. You know, Larry Olmsted's book was a smash and started a lot of conversations, and people have been talking about this a lot. And there are actually far more concerning studies than the subway study. You know, it really interests me that people, and maybe it's just because it brings the whole conversation to the mainstream, but it really interests me that people are fixated on this idea of using soy binders in chicken, which is, you know, like relatively common. Yeah. yeah. There are binders in most sausages. There are binders in, in all of the pepperoni that you're eating. And so it's like, you know, this obsession with the soy binders seems interesting to me. When we know that like 90, 94% of the red snapper we order is fake. Like yeah. We saw that yeah. in Los Angeles in a widespread study that was a really widespread pervasive study. You know, our biggest fear right now in my mind is unfortunately, I hate to say this because it's a type of food that I really like to celebrate, but like mom and pop shops are the ones cutting a lot of corners right now. McDonald's is watched really tightly. Yeah, Wendy's has watched really Taco Bell like they have so many eyes scrutinizing them but a one-off place like they're not going to have a controversy if they serve fake fish get caught apologize and open the next day yeah and I mean there was an article that came out recently too in the past couple weeks there was a LA restaurant that was fined 120,000 bucks for doing just that yeah and you know that got some traction people were looking at that but you know it's when they actually get caught that that actually happens. Okay, so we should we should jump to Chipotle because I think I think Chipotle. If we're talking about transparency on on a massive level, I have to feel Chipotle does a pretty damn good job to the to the best of their abilities of being transparent where they can. Um, they kind of have this big moving machine of of transparency, trying to locally source everything. But then. 2016 was the year of shitting on Chipotle because people were shitting when they ate it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like so, 500 illnesses. Yeah, 500 people got sick, 12 different states. Um, and then, but it was such, again, if we're talking about clicks on articles, there was no easier bait for me to, to put out a story about Chipotle and this new sickness that came out or uh, a, a rhinoceros animated gif that is just, spewing out of its ass and just saying chipotle and chill like it became the meme of 2016 was to shit on chipotle and i i have to say i'm guilty there because chipotle has done so much right and then in one year we tried to undo it at least i can't speak for your guys' publications and your and your writing but we 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 were there because we were just trying to we tried to give them some benefit of the doubt um but again, uh, that was scary. And we're like, can Chipotle rebound? And they're just now starting to get a bit more traffic into their stores. 
Um, it's no, not they where were, it used to be. They were trying everything to get people back when that first happened, too. Like, they had a day where they closed all their stores, I remember, right. and they right. really went back in on all of their food safety practices, had tons of promotions, tons of discounts. They ate a lot of, you know, what they could have possibly earned just to try to get everybody back in to eat Chipotle. Yeah. But the difference here is that this did happen. It's no study. And, sure. we, mm-hmm. you know, we were all obligated to report what mm. was happening. No, and, yeah. and it was happening to a company who had professed for years to have food with integrity. Mm-hmm. And it was anything but that in, over these encounters. Mm-hmm. And that's why to, it, had, it was yeah. such big news. I'd have to challenge. I wouldn't... As we get another phone call, but I'd have to challenge the statement of Chipotle not being food with integrity anymore as a result of them getting all of those food safety illnesses. I'd say more of they were a food of more integrity than other places because of all those outbreaks. I'm just saying that it was, Mm -hmm. that's what they live, that's their philosophy, that's their ethos, and it was all turning upside down in the course Mm -hmm. of six to eight months sure, yeah. sure. and they've been trying to rebound gallantly yeah. ever since sure and I mean, it proves how hard it is to scale good food yes. that's somewhat locally sourced you know yeah. like we say these things and i i think like hopefully we're entering a new era of consumer responsibility because it's very easy to say i want locally sourced food i also want it for cheap yeah i also want it completely uniform at my favorite fast food place now just give me all those things what's not very easy is to go oh wait a sec that's totally unrealistic here's why it's super complicated Mm -hmm. and i think hopefully you know because i know that we wrote that story 10 15 different ways the chipotle story and and i do know that once we we made sure to write it as like what what can we learn like about the food industry on a bigger scale because of these problems that they've run into which is, one, it's it, like I say, it's really hard to, to make big food that's also really kind of locally minded. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge mm-hmm. challenge. And one day that people are going to go like, oh, that was really cool that they tried that. It didn't make it that easy for them, but it made it a little easier for me. Mm-hmm. It was really hard for Chipotle to go out on a limb and do what they were doing. They had all these things they wanted. They wanted non-gmo they wanted preservative free they wanted all these different things and when you go and you make all these things that consumers really want with their food you know to have it as natural as possible you know to not use these toxins in their food you're going to run the risk of food safety and that's exactly what happened with chipotle in the their case they got these outbreaks of all these different you know bacteria and some of them yes could have been avoided like the one guy in California who, you know, contaminated the food supply at Chipotle with norovirus and got 200 people sick. So that was just a, a worker there that was sick. Yeah. That's a training issue. I mean, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. why they shut down all their restaurants for a day to remind. And, you know, as you said, like you this is a training issue and you're doing it at such a high volume. And they're trying to do, in some cases, like fine dining practices at a fast food scale. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't happen any sooner. No. True, true. And then, and but what did they, I mean, we were talking about this a bit earlier is at that scale, first of all, I, th- I think it'd be good to understand why people were getting sick. Because again, the their, their line of, of treating the ingredients and everything quality with integrity, then why are people getting sick? It's probably just 
you know, something that happened in the supply chain. You know, they were looking to make the supply chain so big, so fast, but also do it in a very specific, clean and local way that they were bound to run into these different kinds of problems that can happen. There were bacteria that got onto the food. You know, there was salmonella on the tomatoes, for example, and that um, hurt them as a result. This is naturally occurring. Like, like, how would the salmonella get there? It's just because, like... Salmonella is a common soil microbe. It could have gotten there from the tomatoes accidentally touching the soil during harvest and getting in there. Mm -hmm. Um, It could have happened as a result of fecal contamination, which is a lot more common than a lot of us would like to admit at a lot of um, farms and places that produce produce for the industry. Yeah. But it could have been cross-contamination. It could have been cross-contamination from workers as well. It could have been that improper food safety handling that we were mentioning earlier could have been many of these different areas and Chipotle had to go back in and look at them. A lot of the causes of some of their things are still unknown to this day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. do you think is Chipotle out of the water in terms of cuz cuz what did they do after they learned from these first few virus outbreaks? I mean, didn't they implement something where they were uh disinfecting with lemon or something on the line like yeah lemon super juice. organic yeah they were going for natural antimicrobials like lemon juice as a way to ensure that everything was disinfected and everything was clean uh-huh. but you know it's gonna have to be something that they continue to address as they move forward in the future is how are we going to ensure that these don't happen again and with their particular work it becomes a massive challenge there are, you know, options for them that they can use if they choose to go down routes. Some of them, you know, consumers aren't going to like, as an example, irradiation, which would sterilize their that. food. Basically, you take your food and you treat it with these um, low-grade radiative pulses from things like cobalt. And What's cobalt for a five-year-old? <laughs> Just for the five-year-olds listening. Cobalt's, know, um, but... cobalt's one of the elemental... Well, it's an element that you can find out in nature. Typically, um, it's in more of like a rock form. It's uh, found in things like coins and things like that. But you can take a specific uh, form of cobalt and use it to treat uh, vegetables, meat, all of these other things, and safely kill bacteria and other stuff without damaging the food inside or causing any changes to the food. Do you see that ever being implemented at some place like Chipotle? Or is this like, let Chipotle be the first mover and then let some other young upstart do this? I mean, that's the problem. I think Chipotle, it would be a bold move for them to use irradiation and they would get a lot of public backlash for that. So right now it's not the best option for them considering all the backlash they're getting already. Yeah, One of the things that they did is they started to chop their tomatoes off-site you know while as mm. they tried to do everything fresh in-house they realized they they couldn't do that so like many other fast food restaurants they are doing it at a commissary and you know chopping it fresh and bringing it in that way there's no concern of cross-contamination mm. mm-hmm. so they're siloing it out now they can like all right cool if people are getting sick that was the tomato that was right and yeah. they had to make moves that actually made them more conventional they took off a couple of the uh sourcing things that they used to have on their website they scrubbed those from the website and said okay we just can't realistically do those anymore especially if you guys are all going to be such dicks when we screw up <laughs> because that's true too yes. i mean it, you know virtually every fast food restaurant we know about has had some massive sickness thing. Sure. And I'm Jack sure that there's someone at Jack Chipotle box, yeah. who, two executives who looked at each other and, and just said kind of like, bro, 
wouldn't it have been cool if this happened before the internet? Because <laughs> then we no. would have been okay, and we would have recovered the way that Taco Bell has, or the way that Jack in the Box has, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And instead, they're just kind of haunted by it, and haunted by memes, and haunted by yeah. mm-hmm. by gifts, like you say. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they've had to operate more conventionally. And on one hand, that's a bummer, and on the other hand, you know, it, makes it, it the, is what it is. It makes it a little safer. Yeah. But do you think in the 24-hour news cycle that we all go through, or everything is happening so fast, do you think eventually people will get over Chipotle the way they got over Jack in the Box in the 1990s Jack with in the e. Box coli? was bad. Jack in the Box was well, far I mean, I mean, people, worse. You know, children died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that like, was bad. And I, I didn't get the full brunt of that as a news cycle when I was younger. I mean, I heard the reverberations from my parents talking about never going to Jack in the Box. But that changed a lot of things. I mean, that put E. coli on the map is like something you would say at your house. Like, that's E. coli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cook your burger all the way through. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I'm wondering... I had a friend's dad who'd love to go in there and order a Coke E. coli. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. He'd say, I'm going to have a Coke E. coli. He just loved that play on words. I grew up that, that with a lot of people who liked puns, apparently. What Sorry, I didn't joke. mean to interrupt. Da- no, that's such a dad joke. That is. That is the ultimate dad joke. was my introduction to both E. coli and dad jokes at once. So Jack in the Box made it through. Do you guys have any context? Do you guys know how long that took? I have no idea. I mean, that was a question. Oh, I think it took years for them to mm-hmm. to finally recover from that backlash but they did but it 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 took i think a long time i actually think maybe the internet were blaming it but it also may help chipotle and some mm. of these other brands recover because they can get their message out i don't know about you but i am a chipotle rewards holder and i get their texts they are sending a lot of texts trying to get me in yeah. so they're trying to use all these modern technologies and, and they're they using will YouTube give you a free burrito them. right now nancy yes. luna yeah they will they yeah, want to want give free nancy burritos right now. and all of us free burritos <laughs> i can't believe there's not some laying around here right now I, i'd die for a burrito yeah um yeah i th- here's what i think about jack in the box which is interesting and i have it's become one of the best branded fast food companies in the world. Sure. So if you look at that, and Taco Bell is another wonderfully branded company, and they had their own problems in in 2010, I think that was. So I I wonder if what will come out of this for Chipotle is actually a stronger sense of branding, is getting better at telling their story, and like we said with Subway, like getting out in front of things, and being able to explain that. I I don't know if they're going to find a face for the company who can explain that to people, or if they're going to create web videos, or if they're going to maybe a Chipotle. Create, yeah. Well, my question some is some way I mean, of getting in front of that messaging and saying like, "Here's who we are now. Right. Stop talking about old shit." Yeah, I, but I feel like Chipotle had the strongest sense of story even before mm-hmm. this. I mean, they were the ones that were funding mini docs, and their messaging couldn't have been stronger. And then it gets ripped apart in one year. Yeah. And Chipotle, you know, I like to say they were the gold standard for what fast food and what, you know, QSRs should have been like, um, you know, before all of this happened. Chipotle had all these great things going on for them. And then they had this one bad year of food uh, illness outbreak after food illness outbreak. And it totally just killed it for them. But I'd love to see them come back to that gold standard. And is it me or is it not? So this is now the problem with... I don't like Chipotle as much anymore. I just because genuinely think because of the, what happened. I don't. I don't know. I have no. I can't tie it to one thing. I wish I could. I wish I could say, oh, I don't. I can't say the ingredients are any less fresh. I can't mm-hmm. pinpoint it in the taste. I just don't want it as much. Mm. I like getting drunk at Chipotle now because I learned <laughs> that there's booze. That was oh. kind of an understated thing, but 
I, and I, I, it's, I feel I'm hearing that in my friend group and my social circles that they're not going to Chipotle as much. They don't like it as much. And is that just a context because they saw so many headlines and they saw so many, you know, fr- bright flashing lights in media that, oh, Chipotle's just not as good anymore. It's, I'd say brand image is the big thing with it. One of these outbreaks can totally kill a franchise regardless of what industry you're in. When you have a food safety outbreak, it can totally kill the brand image. And Chipotle's brand image definitely got hit hard as a result of all of these outbreaks. I mean, there's definitely, I am a fan of Chipotle. I like to go to Chipotle. And I go to my local one in Santa Ana, mm-hmm. too. And there's just not as many people in in the restaurant. And I went back to Chipotle almost immediately after a lot of these outbreaks because you know what? The safest restaurant That's in the, the world exactly. is, is the day after, yeah. the two days yeah. after. And I knew there wasn't going to be a long line and yeah. I can get my salad there. And But honestly, one of the reasons why I think I stopped going to Chipotle way before the food scares is I think the burritos have gotten smaller, don't you think? Yeah, I remember them. <laughs> being they used massive. to be the big foil wrap burritos, yeah. and now all of a sudden they're just like tiny. I they think Halloween skip... messed them up. They used they... to give away full you burritos two, on Halloween. Don't you two live in Santa Ana, California, and you're going to a chain for your burritos? You're in the epicenter of good burritos in this country. That's interesting. So to let's me. put it out there. Del Taco doesn't mean chicken soft. <laughs> they do. It's not a real taco. I feel like it's not a taco, but in the sense of what a Santa Ana resident would call taco. But chicken soft is pretty, pretty fire. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying I go to Chipotle. So I like um, the salads. I like the salads. But I, they've skimped out on the vegetables. I always mm. have to ask, can I get some more vegetables, please? Can so you do you do you think vegetables? it's just in your head? Do you think that, or, or are they skimping? Or has has everything? I absolutely think they're skimping. <laughs> I, I think, think but they're not alone. I, I think everyone is. At certain times of the year, you know, those food commodity costs go up, and suddenly, I'm not getting enough chicken. I'm not getting enough, you know, vegetables. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either they raise prices. I mean, some of this stuff is not viable. One of the things that we're going to find out in the next ten years, and it's going to be really fascinating, is that we're going to find out how much food costs. Mm. You know, if if we start, if we stop subsidizing farms in the Midwest and the government stops paying people to actually have fallow fields, then we're going to all collectively find out that, oh, wait a sec, like food is really expensive. Yeah. And the person who is protesting in front of the Whole Foods who is against GMOs, which, by the way, is like patently absurd because Every single scientist, like the scientific community is completely in agreement that the idea of modifying an organism genetically is not inherently bad. Right. You can be against bad GMOs. That's a great thing to be against. Sure. But because we I'm don't know so. how to categorize that information, mm-hmm. we just say like non-GMO and that has become something. But that person who has fought that non-GMO fight is going to also realize, wow, like this stuff is expensive. Yeah. It really costs a lot because their yields are smaller, because their handling times are shorter, because of all these different factors. And I think that that's probably okay. Yeah. Not to mention that the majority of all of our food products out there now contain some form of either soybean or corn or wheat. And those happen to be the three most subsidized commodities in food by the government. So if the government took those out, Man, the cost of everything would shoot. Well, yeah, the cost of transparency is going to cost a lot because mm, yeah. you know to eat all this well great put. food, we're going to have to be willing to pay for it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean that that touches my pain point with Carl's Jr. <laughs> it's a super pain point. I wrote an article a couple years back when they launched their all natural burger. And it totally pissed me off. It, it made me feel so uncomfortable because, one, I'm a huge fan of Carl's Jr., so I'll put that out there. But this all-natural burger, they, they promoted it with, was it Charlotte McKinney or was it the other really hot babe that was just like, I'm all-natural breasts and the whole thing? <laughs> Do you remember? Who was it? Nancy would know. Oh, because I pay attention <laughs> to the all-natural <laughs> breasts. Yeah, I'm all the supermodels. You don't cover the... First of all, Carl's Jr. should also just be a modeling agency. They should just stop doing food and <laughs> yeah. just pick. They, they pick all the best models right before they make it big. Yeah. That's, uh, that should be a different podcast. Um, but okay, so anyways, they launch this all-natural burger, and they, they tout that the meat is all-natural and whatever, grass-fed. It's more expensive. And I'm like, what the hell? What, what about the rest of your menu? What, am I just eating poison? And I get it. It's, it's, it's confusing to me, though, as a consumer because I'm like, oh shit! Like the bigger question is, what does all natural even mean? The sure. FDA has no definition. There's no clear definition as to what it is. You can literally put, you know, wood fiber in something or cellulose in something, and yeah, it's still all natural because it came out of nature. So in some ways, it was it was a gimmick. It was it was yes. Yeah, I agree sure. with you. They're in backwards for them to use natural. I mean, not too many people are using that word anymore. You either going to be grass fed organic yeah uh hormone free those are the buzzwords right now clean but natural eh, what does it really mean yeah. yeah but they were able to use all natural and raise the price point and i'm not sure how much exactly they changed their burger yeah, they probably it changed a few things did it? no it didn't taste any different to me and yeah. but it but it opened up so many more questions instead of making me feel better about eating that burger, which I feel is what they were trying to do. Was trying to bring back some lost consumer that was just over Carl's Jr. or Hardee's and were like, oh, they have a natural burger on their menu. Well, if I'm, if I'm in the car with five drunk dudes and I'm the one that's conscious right now, I'm going to eat that one. But for me, it just made me like, yo, man, what about my spicy chicken? Is that going to kill me? What about my famous star? Can I get star? the unnatural chicken? Is yeah. that what was going to be your next Yeah, question? what's, what's the, it, it really, it irked me. And then I still, I still to this day think they need to either take that off the menu or make the whole menu all natural. Mm -hmm. And that's hard though. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole question of supply, honestly, because if they are really going for this new all natural grass fed beef, mm -hmm. it's going to be much more expensive. I noticed one you know, grass-fed beef ranch out in Pescadero called Tomcat. They really, you know, pride themselves in making sure everything's grass-fed, really all-natural, all that stuff. And their beef sells for such a much higher price point mm -hmm. than what organic or all-natural beef would be. So even just on that point, you know, getting beef of a higher quality is much more expensive and probably a lot harder to get into the supply chain because sure. of you know, how less people are doing that kind of beef that's not fed with antibiotics or hormones or all of these other yeah, things. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get hit with Shake Shack prices, and the people mm -hmm. are just going to have to get used to that. Well, pe people used to tell them, like, Chipotle is expensive. Shake Shack is it's good, but it's expensive. Really? Like, that's no. that's what it costs. That's what Shake Shack is expensive. It's extremely affordable for, yeah, what, for, for, what, what, you for what you're getting. It's yeah. incredible. I mean, food t right now in 2017, if you want to go out and get a meal with a small drink and a side order and you're having a zero customer service experience and you're not having, uh, you know, like we're not talking about a star chef. We're talking about a passable meal, fast casual. 
it should not cost you less than 12 or 13 dollars mm -hmm. and so anytime it does there are going to be questions and there are going to be all sorts of trade-offs you know like uh and we're in a wild west right now too which is really interesting i've been writing about ecology for 10 years now um which is it was exactly 10 years ago that the inconvenient truth came out mm -hmm. and so to look at that you know, and and how these things have evolved, it's really interesting. So maybe three years ago, people said, like, eat local, let's be local. But most of the almonds for this country are produced here in Southern California, a place where we do not have the water supply to produce <laughs> yes. almonds for an entire nation of 300 million people. We just don't. Yeah. And so then if you say, like, okay, we could get, let's say we didn't have trade embargoes with Tanzania, right? We could get traded. We could get almonds from Africa in a place that actually has the water to supply them. Tanz uh, you know, Tanzania can grow a ton of almonds and cashews very easily. Wouldn't that be a better thing? Is it really better to be local because you're not wasting fuel hmm. than it is to to grow a crop that requires amount of water that we can't sustain? Yeah. So it, there are these complicated questions that we're going to have to ask, and we're going to have to ask them really slowly. We want someone out on the frontier. We want someone busting it up. And I'm glad that, that someone like Chipotle did that. We we just, the main questions, the big questions are going to happen kind of slowly. And they're going to be a little bit patient. They're going to be McDonald's saying, here's what we did with all of our chicken. Here are the binders that we removed. Here's the, the ingredients, the tallow that we're not putting in there or whatever mm -hmm. it is. You know, the, the little yeah. bits that we have been accused of. And, and by making their chicken cleaner, to me, actually, ecologically, that's one of the bigger changes in fast food or mainstream food that I've seen over the past five or six years. Because that, that was able, to, and I'm talking about McDonald's choice to go with, with greener kind of more ecological chicken and then have it cleaner on the supply side before putting it into a mcnugget mm -hmm. that to me was actually something that made like a, a little bit broader of an impact sure. and was a little less debatable and doing the videos about it they're yeah. the ones yeah. taking advantage and having people come up and ask the questions and them trying to answer it so you know if mcdonald's can do it hope I, going back to the topic number one hopefully subway will be able to yeah, what bigger, from this. what mm -hmm. bigger supply chain deal do you have to deal with than McDonald's? It I mean, Subway's large. Subway yeah. does have a location More. comparison yeah. to, to McDonald's. I mean, they're both huge. And if all these companies get good at it, I just want to add this. If all these companies get good at it, your local mom and pop shop better damn well be good at it. Because yeah. if they have one location or two locations or whatever, like that is something that a customer shouldn't accept i'll tell you a great great story mcdonald's is much better regarded in australia than in the united states by the way if, really? if listeners haven't been to australia uh, it's called maccas okay we got a maccas the other day <laughs> what a burger at maccas it was fantastic um and it's it has actually truly i like the taste better over there but i was traveling across australia do they have kangaroo there on the menu no kangaroo on the, on the menu at Macca's, but I was traveling across Australia in a car and we were using just veggie oil, just French, French fry oil to fuel the car. So we were putting it straight into the engine and it was a diesel car, so that works. It smells like French fries when you drive around. And we were struggling so hard. We crossed the whole country. Australia is as big as the United States. We crossed the whole country just with French fry oil, never bought a tank of gas. But it was so hard to get the right oil from these little mom and pop shops because they were refrying their oil over and over and over, which is incredibly dangerous, causes the oil to bind to itself, 
and creates all sorts of problems, health problems. Not to mention it makes everything taste gross. It yes. makes everything taste gross. Yes. So their oil wouldn't work. We couldn't use oil from a lot of the mom and pop shops. We finally went to a McDonald's and McDonald's was under a lot of scrutiny at this time. It was 2011. There was all that McDonald's stuff. Super Size Me was still kind of being reverberating around the world. And not only did they say, and of course it's Australian McDonald's, they're not as corporatized, nothing feels as corporatized there, but they were like, listen, Mike, we'll give you all our oil. It was the cleanest oil I've ever seen. <laughs> they change it out twice a day. It was like liquid gold. We would take 40 gallons of oil from a McDonald's and store it on our roof. And then you're driving across a massive country that doesn't have a ton of cities. And then they would, not only that, but McDonald's would call ahead to the next McDonald's and say, oh, raw, hook these guys up with some of our... Nice. So I traveled across the whole country. I can tell you McDonald's oil is really clean and really golden. And so if these big companies could do it, the mom and pop shops need to be able to, too. Yeah. No. It's overall pretty positive. I mean, as, as negative as this started off, I feel it's cool to see these big chains making something media actually just putting forth and just kind of trying to call them out calling yeah. out little by little i think the more we do that the only it's only going to make the fast food companies and all these companies better because they're going to react to what we uncover or what we report on them and then they're going to make their companies better and i think you know we're not where we want all the companies to be at you know in terms of all natural non-gmo everything that we want them to be like but everyone's making forward steps and everyone's making great progress in that mm. direction. And it's going to take a lot longer than, you know, a lot of consumers want. Consumers are like, give me this right now. <laughs> That's just how they are. They demand everything right away. Yeah. But we're going to be in a place in the next 10 to 15 years. And it's going to be a lot better than we are now. And we're right now a lot better than it was 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And it's just going to keep evolving in a forward and a much better direction. Yeah. And they're and the, a lot of the fast food chains are making strides, like you said. They because the consumers are demanding. Is it happening fast enough? No, but something like that takes a long time. The mm -hmm. antibiotic mm -hmm. movement to reduce in chickens, uh, McDonald's, Subway, Wendy's, and Taco Bell are making strides. I just talked to Taco Bell today. They said they're on track to get it out of their chicken by the end of quarters of this quarter first quarter wow. which is uh, ahead, way ahead right that is like super they beat ahead. their they own projection a lot of uh, most of the fast food chains were were their goal has been by the end of 2017 so we have mcdonald's already out mm -hmm. i think wendy's is at 50 percent. tyson's on its way out too yeah. Yeah. so it's just a matter of if you just keep pushing and keep asking and making sure that this is what they're doing and, and it all starts with the supply chain too i mean they mm -hmm. can't do it unless the suppliers can do it Exactly. I love this. I feel like I'm doing such noble work. Now. Yeah, we're so <laughs> noble. We're so noble yeah. with our headlines yeah. and we're our heroes. <laughs> uh -huh. uh. That the better the supply chain gets, the better for all of us. And you know, as everyone shifts around to that, I think you know, food is going to be much better in America and much better perceived the more that we keep heading towards this. Well, there we go. Well, there we go. Best burgers all around. <laughs> What's the best burger, Steve? Orange, Southern California, and then the world. What's the best burger you ever had? I will tell you. Last, I was in New York all week last week, and I had Shake Shack for the very first time in my life. What? It's that's an amazing burger, by the yeah. way. It, it is like really, really good. I probably have. Oh, sorry. No, I need to shout this out. Shout best out. burger I've ever had in my life is uh, Al Cheval. Al Cheval. Yes, in, in Chicago. Chicago. It's unbelievable, and that is also, also like a, a very sense. small chain. <laughs> 
That's the best burger I've ever had. But Shake Shack was fantastic. Like, if that can be a viable fast food experience for $13, I'll go back to eating like I did when I was 12, like eating fast food every third meal or something. That was yeah. amazing. Walk us through the Al burger. What's on it again? Oh, man. Isn't it like, um, isn't there, is there flaw on that? Uh, there wasn't on mine. This is like a... It's like a diner in Chicago, no? It's a diner. Yeah. yeah. It was just so good. I mean, I think I got a pretty standard like cheese bacon cheeseburger. Mm. But but I remember eating it halfway through. And and mind you, like we've all in this room written about food. I've written about food for 10 years. I, I take a lot of comps. I eat a lot of free yeah. food from other people. And I remember looking up halfway through and looking at the person I was with and I said... Oh my God. Like, it's kind of revelatory when you write about food a lot and you talk about flavor a lot and you talk about palate and how things land on your palate and how it balances. When you look up at someone and go, Oh, I think I'm having the best burger I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Like, that's pretty exciting. You look up and you're both having the same moment. Yeah. Like, the same moment. (laughs) It was romantic almost. Yeah. Across the restaurant. (laughs) So, Acheval, that's my my spot. Okay. Nancy? I'm a. Southern California girl, I'm going to go with Animal Style Cheeseburger in and out uh, <laughs> And by the way, talk about transparent from the very beginning before there's transparency. Fresh, never frozen, always the same. And that's why they're successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's always busy. Point. There's never, oh, yeah. there's, no, there's no in and out right now you go to that doesn't have a line around the block. And they, they, nothing is new ever. There's no yeah. new product introductions, no, no press releases. Yeah. That's, other why, than their why anniversaries, just copy that. Like, do three things really, really well, yeah. and it's less complicated to work out all this supply exactly. chain stuff that we're talking right. about. Right. That's why they'll just never do, do chicken. No. Our business columnist John Lazar is always asking, "When are you going to do chicken? When are you going to?" We'll never do chicken. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good call, Costa. Best burger. Oh man, best burger is SoCal. Or best burger nationwide. Give me, give me, give me your nationwide. Oh man, give me your nationwide. All right, SoCal. I was gonna say impossible. Shout, shout out to Chef Tal at Crossroads, but that's the vegan. That's the the vegan bleeding burger. Yep. Yeah, that's a really but, good burger. <laughs> which you can get nationwide, most cities, right? By now, not F- one that fifteen bleeds. cities, not one that bleeds. Is it available no, no, no. In Whole impossible. Foods? Impossible burger. You can get around it. Play. I mean, it's in a couple restaurants. David Chang has it in some. Restaurants yeah, there's in a New few York. restaurants. That San Francisco have it. has it. I think Portland has one now. That's a good. That's I an think Portland burger. just added one, yeah. But best burger nationwide, uh, Burgers and Brew Sacramento has a lamb burger with tzatziki. Oh. It is probably the best burger that I've had. <laughs> I haven't had that burger, but that sounds amazing. Come I'm up just... to Davis with me sometime. We'll go get it today. Sure, let's right. go right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna wrap it because In and Out is still is still key. The, the shake, the Shake Shack with the with the the fried portobello that's stuffed with cheese is incredible. Oh, Did you get yeah. that top? The, the shroom, the, crunch, the one with the crunchy yeah, like shallots. A, yes. Yes, oh, I just had that God. in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Shout out to Shake Shack. Shout out to In and Out. Hook us up with gift cards. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally not at the My stomach is eating itself right now. I'm so hungry. We're gonna wrap this up and go eat. Thank you guys concrete. all so much. <laughs> oh, the concrete. No, that's another. What's the closest podcast. Shake Shack? What's the closest Shake Shack to us that's right good. this moment? Uh, thank you guys for listening to the catch up thank you for our guests nancy and steve for making uh this podcast sound smarter than it is um make sure to subscribe tell your friends follow uh nancy and steve on all their social accounts we'll put that in the description of wherever this lands probably on itunes um and until next week this has been the catch up later y'all bye